I'm Ruxandra Guidi, host of The Catch, a podcast from Foreign Policy and the Walton Family Foundation about the seafood we eat and the impact it can have on our world. This season, we'll hear how Norway is handling cod's changing migration patterns and what it says about fisheries in other parts of the world. Season three of The Catch is out now. Just a heads up, today's episode mentions suicide. If you or someone you know needs help, visit 988lifeline.org or call or text the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. It was a critical moment for Mark Zuckerberg. He and other social media CEOs faced a Senate hearing yesterday about child abuse online. Zuckerberg, the head of Meta, was getting grilled by Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. Who did you fire? I said you mischaracterized. 37% of teenage girls between 13 and 15 were exposed to unwanted nudity in a week on Instagram. You knew about it. Who did you fire? Senator, this is why we're building all these tools. Senator, I don't think that that's... Who did you fire? uh, I'm not going to answer that. Um, (laughs) Because you didn't fire anybody, right? You didn't take Senator, any significant I, I don't think action. It's appropriate to talk about, like, it's not appropriate. Decisions. Do you know who's sitting like behind you? Behind Zuckerberg, rows of people stood up. Families holding large photos of children. Some had died, with their deaths linked to social media. Senator Hawley continued. The fact that you didn't fire a single person. To, Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Have you compensated any of the victims? Sorry. Have you compensated any of the victims? These I, girls, I, have you compensated them? I don't believe so. You, why not? That empower parents. So you didn't take any more. action. You didn't That's take any true, action. Senator. You didn't fire anybody. You haven't That's compensated a single not, victim. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? I, Would I, you like to do so now? Well, They're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? Then Zuckerberg stood up. He turned toward the group and he apologized. So I was in the corner of the hearing room and uh, suddenly the mic went out and so he stepped away from the microphone itself. So I just sprang up and I, and I ran up to try to see what was happening. Cristiano Lima Strong covers technology for The Post. He was at yesterday's Senate hearing. It was a, a quite a tense and, and moving moment. It's very rare um, that you see an executive or any witness turn around and directly address an audience at a hearing. Zuckerberg said that no one should go through what the families had suffered, and that Meta had invested in preventing online harms. The other executives at the hearing, from TikTok, X, Snap, and Discord, they said similar things. But Cristiano has witnessed these types of hearings before. This is the umpteenth hearing that Congress has had with tech executives. It's the eighth time that Mark Zuckerberg has testified. The question is, why aren't tech executives and Congress doing more to combat the dangers of social media? From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers, and it's Thursday, February 1st. 
Today, Cristiano breaks down what happened at the Senate and the debate over children's online safety legislation and the risks of nothing happening. So I want to go back for a second and get a little bit more context. Tell me about this hearing and what it was about. Yeah, so this hearing was focused on child sexual abuse material, um, basically sexual images of of kids and um, efforts by tech companies to eliminate them from the internet. Now, you know, this is a problem as old as the internet, um, and there have been efforts for decades to try to eliminate or, or, you know, reduce the prevalence of this content as much as possible. But, you know, some some reporting that we just recently did, you know, found that it's as prevalent as ever in terms of the reported number of pieces on online platforms. And so lawmakers have been pushing for a number of proposals that they think would help address this problem, including by exposing the companies potentially to financial liability. This hearing was both sort of a call to action for the companies, but also a call to action for Congress, which has been utterly unable to pass new protections for kids online for years and years. And the executives who were brought before Congress in this hearing, that included obviously Mark Zuckerberg from from Meta slash Facebook, um, but who were the other tech CEOs who also had to answer questions there? Right. So there were five tech CEOs. Um, There was Zuckerberg, as you alluded to. TikTok CEO was there. Um, Linda Yaccarino, the CEO of X, formerly Twitter, was there, as well as the CEO of Snapchat's parent company and Discord. And so, you know, it's been quite some time that we've even seen that much star power in terms of um, executives from Silicon Valley testifying on Capitol Hill. And I got the impression both before this hearing and especially after that this is both about, as you said, the acute issue of um, child sexual abuse online and potential solutions to that, but also this host of other issues that we see when it comes to children and social media and the ways in which a lot of people have come to believe that social media is making the lives of children worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the the committee that held the hearing, their jurisdiction and their focus has primarily been on child abuse material, but a number of members on the committee have also been leading efforts to impose greater business obligations on some of these companies, requiring them to beef up their safety and privacy practices for kids. And certainly the hearing yesterday veered into broader discussions about child and teen mental health and to what extent these platforms are contributing to, you know, mental health issues among kids. I know that we've seen these hearings before where the tech CEO is talking to the the panel of lawmakers. Oftentimes there is this impression that I get that the kind of, for lack of a better term, old fuddy-duddy like members of Congress just like don't know how to talk about technology or don't know how to talk about social media in a way that makes sense and that you see like tech CEOs sort of like running circles around them. But this (laughs) hearing to me felt really different because it was so emotionally impactful because you had these family members of victims, people holding up um, photos of their children. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how that hearing got to that emotional moment? Like, what was some of the back and forth of what we heard uh, members of Congress asking Zuckerberg and, and asking others? So Congress has come a long way since 2018 when uh, Facebook CEO first testified and Senator Orrin Hatch asked him, how does your company make money? Well, if so, how do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service? 
and Zuckerberg replied, Senator, we run ads. I see. And this was a moment at the time that a lot of people pointed to to say, Congress doesn't truly understand these tools, and, and we heard from the tech companies uh, that it, it shouldn't be trying to regulate things that it doesn't understand. Um, and I think part of what we saw at the hearing was a lot more focus um, and specificity to some of these issues. Not to say that everyone at the dais is a technological expert, but they have developed their thinking sense and have tried to propose more concrete ideas to address some of these issues that they're putting a lot of the blame on the tech companies. In terms of the emotional resonance, this is an issue that I think hits close to home for you know nearly anyone that watched the session. A number of the executives on the stand talked about being parents and their own experience parenting and trying to keep kids away from harmful content or thinking about things like how much time they spend looking at their screen. And, and you heard the lawmakers uh, invoking this repeatedly throughout the hearing as well. But part of what really added to the the tone of the session was the presence of of the families and the parents. You know, throughout the hearing, there was that Zuckerberg moment, which was kind of the culmination of this. But even before the hearing began, there was a moment just before the CEOs came out where all the parents stood up and held up pictures of their children. And the hearing room, which was quite rowdy, there was a lot of press, became completely silent. It turned into an unscripted moment of silence. Meeting of the Senate Judiciary Committee will come to order. But throughout the session, they were at times jeering the CEOs when they felt they were making pledges that they hadn't kept. They were cheering some of the lawmakers when they were calling for Congress to finally step in. And so that certainly added to some of the, the resonance of the session. And for these parents who were at this hearing holding photos of their children, what were some of the stories behind those photos? And and the ways that their children had been gravely hurt by their experience on social media. Yeah, it was a, a litany of really tragic stories. Uh, you know, some of them are families that have been impacted by child sexual abuse online. But, the, you know, like the focus of the hearing, there were a lot of families there that had dealt with broader um, harms on social media. Some, you know, their kids had been exposed to um, illicit drug sales um, on the internet or on digital platforms. Others had kids who died by suicide after facing bullying on the internet. And so we, we uh, heard about some of those as the lawmakers questioned um, the CEOs. But there were numerous stories in the room um, that painted a, a very tragic picture of what the worst of the internet can look like for kids. So then going back to Mark Zuckerberg, what was he saying or, or what was his defense of what his company is doing to help address some of these problems or make his platforms safer for children? Yeah, so Zuckerberg, he pointed often to the fact that the company has invested massively billions into its safety efforts on its platform. It has tens of thousands of staffers who work on safety and that try to, you know, on one hand, catch this abusive content um, and also try to optimize the experience uh, for kids so that in teens so that it's still a safe platform. 
I'm proud of the work that our teams do to improve online child safety on our services and across the entire internet. We have around 40,000 people overall working on safety and security, and we've invested more than $20 billion in this since 2016, including around $5 billion in the last year alone. Uh, we also heard him talk often about parental controls, um, as did other companies. We are on the side of parents everywhere working hard to raise their kids. Over the last eight years, we've built more than 30 different tools, resources, and features that parents can set time limits for their teens using our apps, see who they're following, or if they report someone for bullying. Now, you know, one of my colleagues did a, a very um, insightful story recently finding that parental controls are often not used and that parents, you know, can find them kind of burdensome. So the companies were touting both their investments and some of the policy changes that they've made, but lawmakers had a lot of questions about the efficacy of those and, and how effective they've been in terms of actually protecting kids online. And as you point out, I mean, the, the specific issue of parental controls in some ways, I think that strikes people as Zuckerberg and his company passing the buck, right? That we have these parental controls here. There is evidence to suggest that only a tiny minority, as you said, of, of parents actually use those parental controls um, or have them, you know, on their children's accounts. But they're there and, you know, that's all we can do. Um, I guess, was, was there a sense of frustration with the picture of, you know, that, that the safety protocols are there and it's just a matter of individual users needing to put them in place? Yeah, so certainly that's been um, a long-running frustration on, on Capitol Hill. Uh, and, you know, it's not just around child safety, it's around privacy. Lawmakers often talk about how, you know, you, you can change your settings so that less of your data is collected, but who actually goes to the trouble of clicking in their settings and their Facebook page and, and changing those. And so that's been a long-running frustration. Now, Zuckerberg and the other executives did not only lean on the parental controls. Again, they talked about their investment. They talked about, you know, features they've implemented, such as, you know, nudging kids to spend less time on their sites um, and other tools that they've offered. But certainly lawmakers uh, at this point are not satisfied with the industry trying to police itself. And so uh, a major part of the hearing was in calling for some of the legislation that lawmakers have proposed to make it more of a legal obligation on companies to take greater steps to protect kids. I'm sure a lot of the questioning was aimed at Zuckerberg because we know him. He's kind of, you know, he's become this, like, famous face of tech, the, the best and the worst of it. Um, but I also want to talk about TikTok because really that is the app that I feel like I see children around me interacting with way more than Facebook or even Instagram. Um, tell me about the concerns that were brought up about TikTok and what the CEO of TikTok said in response. So TikTok CEO Shou Zichu faced a lot of questions on the children's safety front, but there were a lot of questions the lawmakers have had about the company's ties to China, uh, which was not the focus of the hearing, but has been a long-running concern. There are, of course, calls to ban the, the platform entirely from the U.S., but we also heard concerns about children spending too much time on the site, concerns about collecting the data of children, which regulators have dinged the company for in the past. Um, and, and how the company responded to one of his main defenses, which was notable, was pointing out that while there's this perception that TikTok, it's all teens on the site, uh, the average U.S. user is actually over 30. 
and this was something a number of the companies said um, in defending their practices, is that there's actually not as many teens on their websites as lawmakers might believe. And then I want to talk briefly about X as well, the company formerly known as Twitter. Um, the CEO of X was also there. This is the first time that we've heard from her in this kind of hearing. Um, this is th- this platform obviously has been under a ton of scrutiny since Elon Musk took over. Um, what did we hear from her about safety on X? Yeah, probably one of the most surprising things about the hearing was how little we actually heard from Linda Yaccarino during the session. Um, as you alluded to, you know, particularly Democratic lawmakers have been very concerned about the cuts to their safety teams that um, have come into effect since Elon Musk took over the company and renamed it from Twitter. Some of what we heard from her was that she talked about how child sexual abuse material is eradicating it has been one of their top priorities at the company, and that they're planning to stand up a new uh, center of excellence, she called it, of uh, safety experts that'll help try to curtail some of this content. And some of what else she said was she earned some some points with lawmakers by actually endorsing some of the bills uh, that they have under the consideration, which repeatedly during the hearing was a focus for lawmakers trying to secure the support of these companies that have at times been very adversarial to their efforts to impose new regulations. After the break, we hear why even with bipartisan support, there is still a block when it comes to regulating social media. We'll be right back. In-laws, love them or hate them, you're pretty much stuck with them. And when you're a ruler in the Middle Ages, that can be a serious problem. It might even land you dead. I'm Dan Jones, and on season four of This Is History, I'm telling the story of England's weirdest king, Henry III. He's in way over his head, and he's surrounded by bloodthirsty relatives with their eyes on his throne. To listen, search This Is History and follow wherever you get your podcasts. So, Christiana, you mentioned that part of the discussion at this hearing was about bills that are currently under consideration by Congress that would address some of these concerns that have been brought up about the safety of children online. I think a lot of people saw the the Zuckerberg apology moment and saw this whole hearing um, as as both somewhat, you know, emotionally powerful or moving, but also a kind of like a sign of the hypocrisy of members of Congress, right? That they want to bring these tech CEOs up here. They want to rake them over the coals. And yet Congress has the power to regulate these companies and have consistently um, over recent years failed to do so and failed to come up with actual laws um, that could make the situation better. Um, so, like, what what are the laws that are under consideration and why does it seem like they're not going anywhere? Yeah, so, and, and to your point, yesterday, Senator Lindsey Graham at one point said to the CEOs, you have blood on your hands. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, you and the companies before us, I know you don't mean t- it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. You have a product. You have a product that's killing people. 
But then later on at a press conference, he, he acknowledged, you know, where Congress is, is partly to blame as well for not having moved some of these proposals. Uh, there's a number of bills that are currently under consideration. Some of the main ones, two before the committee that held the hearing yesterday, um, center around giving victims of child sexual abuse the ability, a mechanism, to actually bring lawsuits against platforms if they have facilitated or promoted their exploitation in some way. That's one piece. Um, another piece is to roll back some of the protections under the law, Section 230, uh, that have allowed these companies to often dismiss these lawsuits before they even get to discovery or go to trial. Um, and so those are two of the main pieces under consideration before the committee. There's also a broader bill called the Kids Online Safety Act that deals more with uh, the business obligations on companies. That bill would require companies to you know, conduct assessments of how their tools might harm kids and also require them to implement safety, the most stringent safety and privacy settings for folks under 18 um, as a default, you know, speaking to this issue of controls and how much people actually uh, enable them. But, you know, as you mentioned, it's been extremely difficult for Congress to to get this over the finish line. We, we heard some of the frustration about that on the Hill yesterday. Senator Klobuchar said at one point, you know, it's been over 20 years that we've been kicking this around and we're not doing anything. I just want to get this stuff done. I'm so tired of this. It's been 28 years, what, since the internet? We haven't passed any of these bills because everyone's double talk, double talk. It's time to actually pass them. And I think what regular people find so surprising about that is that it, this does seem like a pretty bipartisan issue, right? Like, it, it, it seems like the one thing that Republicans and Democrats are on the same page about is that social media companies are often terrible. And so given that, like, why, like, what, what's the holdup, right? Like, why isn't there, why hasn't there been more action on this? And, and why doesn't that bipartisanship translate into something actually getting done? Yeah, it's not a red or versus blue issue. And I think a lot of it comes down to priorities. And one of the main reasons that these proposals haven't passed is that there's been debates about how much should we focus on expanding protections for kids online versus how much we should be trying to pass protections for all consumers online. Leaders in the House in the last Congress advanced this sweeping privacy bill that would have expanded protections for all Americans, um, but also had some protections for kids. Um, meanwhile, the Senate has mostly focused on trying to do something that is kids-focused. But the two chambers have just not been able to agree on their approach, and you have these various committees that think they have one solution and that are sort of jockeying to get their bills to the floor. You know, so even if the Senate manages to advance some of these bills that we heard about yesterday, they still face a really uphill battle because a number, a number of them don't have enough support in the House. And so it seems particularly unlikely that we'll see something get signed into law during a busy election year. Um, but but you never know. And an election year in which I think one side does not want to give the other side a, a kind of critical win, right? That there's the motivation to get something done, but there's also the motivation to make sure that the other party cannot hold up a past law as something that they got done. Right. And that's something we'll probably hear if the Democratic-controlled Senate is able to pass a child safety or child privacy law. 
then there's going to be pressure on the Republican-led Senate to pass something. And what lawmakers have really tried to avoid is turning this into a partisan food fight. And so I think there's apprehension about that as well. I think that in light of the consternation about how little has happened um, on the federal level to tackle some of these issues, um, you see states trying to take their own sort of stance on this. One headline that stuck out to me recently um, was in Florida, where the House of Representatives there approved a bill that would bar children under 16 from social media platforms, like, period. And frankly, my reaction to that was like, Wow, bold move. Um, I don't know if it's going to pass, and I would love insights on whether that could actually be a thing, that you have the state of Florida um, banning children from using social media. But I wonder more broadly, like, what are the ways in which states are saying, look, we, we're going to do something if the federal level isn't? Yeah, so I think there's two main types of proposals that states have tried to pass. One is, as you've alluded, just limiting how much kids can access social media. The Florida law is one of the most stringent, the Florida uh, measure, I should say, is one of the most stringent attempts that we've seen. But there have already been some on the books that rather than blocking kids entirely, they block them unless the teen is able to obtain consent from their parents to join a site. There have been a number of those that have been passed, um, including in Arkansas and in Utah. Uh, So that's one bucket. The other bucket are these measures that seek to require companies to beef up their, you know, consumer protections. So, you know, requiring stronger safety requirements, requiring stronger privacy settings, requiring companies to to vet their products for potential harms, to do audits. We've seen a number of those pass as well. But the fact is that uh, I, I don't believe any of those have gone into effect yet because they're getting challenged in courts by groups that represent the tech companies that say that they violate the Constitution and would infringe on free speech online. So then what is the actual answer here, right? Like if it's not so easy for states to enact this themselves, then um, what does that mean for potential solutions for the future? Yeah, I mean, so a number of those laws at the state level have been halted, but we don't know the final outcome. It's possible that we'll see um, decisions in the courts within the next year that will, you know, set a precedent for whether a state can ban kids from accessing social media or can require parental consent. Um, And that will have huge implications for other states and for the federal level. But until there's a decision there, we're we're pretty much in limbo as countries around the world, you know, including uh, the United Kingdom, do advance some of their own protections and are passing the United States at least in terms of getting laws on the books that try to address some of these issues. I'm curious about some of the conversations that you have with parents who are concerned about this and just where they're at in thinking about how social media companies and the problems that have been highlighted again and again in recent years are taking an effect on the lives of their children. Yeah, I mean, it's a very complicated issue, and it's also not one that's easy to paint with a broad brush. I mean, you'll hear lawmakers on Capitol Hill uh, and around the country talk a lot about social media being, you know, the new big tobacco. But frankly, the the science isn't there yet on that, um, if it ever gets there. 
Um, there are you know studies showing ways that distinct features on platforms can you know exacerbate depression or you know suicide ideation things like mm-hmm. that. But there's not a scientific consensus that social media is bad for kids. Um, and there are also lots of positive uses for social media, you know, particularly for marginalized communities um, and kids who, you know, use it to, to find their community online. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of, you know, parents, what we've seen from, from surveys and, and from speaking to, to some who are at the forefront of this effort is you know there there are questions about how big the threat is but i but i think there's growing consensus among the ones that are that are active in these policy debates that you can't wait for the science to play out that there need to be some protections in place in the meantime Senator Blumenthal who spoke at the hearing yesterday often compares it to you know seatbelts on cars and, you know, filters on um, tobacco products that even if you don't have necessarily scientific proof on some of those harms, that, that shouldn't stop you from putting in place, you know, what they call some pretty common sense measures to protect uh, those using them. Cristiano, thank you so much for explaining all this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Cristiano Lima-Strong is a tech policy reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Renny Svarnovsky with help from Sabi Robinson. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Monica Campbell. And remember, if you love the show, help other people discover it by leaving a rating on Spotify or a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.